Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Ajua Robinson, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a new feature of Living Proof. In addition to listening, subscribing to, and sharing podcasts, you can now rate and write a review of each episode of Living Proof. To rate or write a review of a podcast, just go to our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu forward slash podcast and click on the create your own review button. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, I'm your host, Peter Sabota. Who said social work research isn't hip? In this episode, Dr. Leopoldo Cabasa discusses his creative research that bridges research findings to the practice world. Specifically, Dr. Cabasa describes his development of a photonovella, what might be more commonly referred to as a graphic novel, to improve mental health literacy in the typically underserved Latino community. Capitalizing on the photonovella's long history and impact on Latino popular culture, Dr. Cabasa describes how he utilized research and experience to inform his adaptation of this art form to reach out and increase Latinos' literacy around mental health information and promotion. The result is a culturally sensitive response to the unique aspects of this community. Dr. Leopoldo Cabasa is Assistant Director at the New York State Center for Excellence for Cultural Competence at the New York State Psychiatric Institute and Assistant Professor for Clinical Psychiatric Social Work in the Department of Psychiatry at Columbia University. He received his MSW and PhD from the George Warren Brown School of Social Work at Washington University in St. Louis. Prior to his current appointment, Dr. Cabasa was assistant professor at the University of Southern California School of Social Work and that university's Keck School of Medicine, the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. Dr. Cabasa spoke with Ajwa Robinson by telephone. This is Ajwa Robinson, host of Living Proof podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. My guest today is Dr. Leopoldo Cabasa, who is an assistant director of the New York State Center of Excellence for Cultural Competence and research scientist at the New York State Psychiatric Institute. Dr. Cabasa, thanks for joining us today. Oh, glad to be here. Now, Dr. Cabasa, your research centers on understanding the causes of racial and ethnic disparities in mental health care and developing interventions to reduce those disparities. At your center, you put out a series of reports titled Cultural Competence Matters. So tell us, why does cultural competence matter or why should it matter to practitioners, policymakers, and researchers? Well, one of the reasons, one of the highlights that we're trying to understand is, first of all, understanding uh, racial and ethnic disparities in health and mental health outcomes. Um, We're very interested in our center to look at the health disparities that might uh, occur because of access to care, as well as the quality of care. Several research projects, as well as ongoing efforts, we have begun to identify, along with others, that cultural elements such as attitudes, behaviors, people's perceptions of their illness, um, as well as all socioeconomic factors, impacts people's uh, access to resources, access to services, and as well as the quality of care. And there have been several seminal reports from the Institute of Medicine, 
and the Surgeon General's report and the new Freedom Commission on Mental Health that have highlighted the need for uh, understanding the causes of racial and ethnic disparities in health and mental health care and then beginning to understand how culture impacts recognition of disorders, access, as well as quality of care. And you have a particular interest in the Latino community and specifically mental health literacy. What is mental health literacy and why the focus on the Latino community? First of all, mental health literacy is a concept that was sort of developed in the 1997 by Professor Anthony Dorm from the Australian National University. And it's basically, it's defined as individuals' knowledge, attitudes, and beliefs about mental disorders that influences someone's recognition of a disorder, their management, and the prevention. And it includes the ability of someone to recognize what those symptoms are, have knowledge about what the risk factors of the of a particular disorder, the causes of that disorder, and then knowledge and abilities to effectively manage that particular issue, either uh, seeking help, seeking information for that particular uh, disorder, and then understanding what are the steps that one has to do to increase sort of their health seeking and getting to care. And our work, some of the work that we do has been focused on developing uh, tools for the Latino community since there's been some research indicating higher rates of underutilization of mental health services. And then when Latinos do get to services, they tend to receive lower quality of care. They tend to drop out of care at higher rates than other groups. They tend to have lower adherence to psychiatric medications and they tend to receive lower quality of care. So one of the interests in some of the work that I've been doing was to understand why and some of the factors that have come up are people's perceptions of mental illness, people's understanding of what a particular mental illness is and how to go about seeking help for that, and the lack of information that is out there in our communities that is available, that is entertaining, and that is accessible to particular segments of the Latino community, and how can we improve upon those. So that's sort of the interest in the issue of uh, mental health literacy for the Latino community. Right now you have several projects ongoing. One of particular interest speaks directly to that notion of mental health literacy, the photonovela. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, definitely. Um, This actually has been a, a work in progress for several years. I had done several projects on people's understanding, particularly Latino immigrants' understanding of depression and their health-seeking behaviors. And we were beginning to find out that, for instance, in one study that we did in a primary care clinic in St. Louis, Missouri, we're finding out that when we presented patients with a vignette of depression, almost half of them could not identify the, the vignette as depression. And that was a, a much elevated than what you find in the general population when people get presented with a vignette that depicts someone who has a depression as classified by a DSM-4 category. Um, about 31% of people in the general population do not recognize depression, and we were finding, for example, about 45%. So this issue of recognition of what is depression, what are the symptoms, how to recognize it, that really got us interested in what do we need to do um, to help the community understand what depression is, what are the risks, what are the signs and symptoms. We were also looking at, in other studies that we've done in East LA, again with the mostly of a Mexican immigrant population, people understanding what depression is, but not being able to advocate for services, uh, not being able to identify that what they have was a treatable medical condition 
uh, and then what were their options for care. And that really got us thinking about, and people also telling us that they wanted more information about mental disorder, particularly depression. We began to look at um, different formats and different ways of presenting this information in Spanish in a way that's attractive and engages the person in accepting a new math is to understanding what these mental disorders were. And one of the tools that we found uh, with some colleagues from the University of Southern California at the School of Pharmacy, it was these photonovelas. And these basically are popular health education tools that are basically, they use post photographs of regular actors with simple tech bubbles like a comic book. And they basically tell a story, a soap, a soap opera a dramatic story of a person who's going through a, a particular conflict or crisis in their life is usually involving a family, and embedded within the story are educational messages. Um, they have developed some regarding diabetes, spina bifida, and folic acid, and we began to partner with them to develop one uh, on depression based on the work that we had done before uh, and targeting specific educational messages. Um, that we were finding salient in both our work and the literature regarding depression perceptions and attitudes and stigma in the Latino community. So the fotonovelas tended to be sort of a format that we can use. is not very stigmatizing. The idea is to entertain as well as educate the person uh, and develop and help them change some type of attitudes, misconceptions that they might have, and hopefully set the stage for behavioral change. So that's how we got have been working on this photonovela, and we've developed one for, de for depression that we're currently evaluating and trying to expand into different programs. And so what makes the photonovela uh, particularly culturally appropriate as a health literacy tool? Well, that's a great question. And one of the things that we were finding were that when we look about how, what makes something culturally appropriate or culturally sensitive, there are many different models and many different discussions of what of how do you do that. And in our work, we've been using sort of the Resnikov model of cultural sensitivity, one that I particularly like, and it basically breaks it down into two basic steps. One is that you can adapt something culturally at a surface level. And what that means is that it's basically matching the intervention, the materials, the messages, to the observable characteristics of a particular group. In our case, we're Latino, Spanish-speaking Latinos in the community. So at one level of making the fotonovela culturally sensitive was to have it in Spanish, in a Spanish that people could understand. So it's at a fourth-grade reading level. It presents pictures of people that resemble Latino individuals. It uses idioms and, and sayings that people will be able to relate to uh, in the story. Uh, but that surface adaptation or that surface level cultural sensitivity sort of provides you sort of a face, but it, it, it looks like the, the audience, it relates to the audience, but it might not be enough to make it culturally appropriate or culturally sensitive. So within the rest of the course model, there's the deeper, deeper level structures. And those are identify how particular cultural values, beliefs, and preferences, sort of the inner workings of culture, impact the health behavior we're trying to target. In this case, is recognizing depression and then helping people hopefully seek professional help for depression. So in that sense, we have embedded within this photonovela particularly uh, social norms, 
particular perceptions that are more salient for the Latino community. So, for instance, um, we present depression as part of that not only influence impacts the individual, but also impacts the family and impacts that functioning of the family. We present a story where uh, the family can provide help as well as endanger the, the help of someone. So we provide for, so positive and negative role models. We also embed particular stigma that we have been finding in the Latino community regarding depression, such so as that people with depression are crazy, are, lo- are, are what people say are locals. We sort of debunk those types of social norms. And then we also targeted the issue of many Latinos, many studies have indicated that they prefer counseling over antidepressant medications because they see a lot of antidepressant medications as addictive, as harmful to their body. So we try to target those particular stigmas that resonate with the community. So in a sense, to make it culturally appropriate, we have embedded within this particular tool, both surface level, makes it look like it's relatable and resonates with the Latino community, but within the message, at a more deeper level, the story itself has embedded particularly social norms and values that we are trying to target and and hopefully um, change with the message that we're trying to make. Tell me again the name of the theorist that came up with the two levels of cultural appropriateness. This is Ken Resko. He has, I mean, there's many different cultural competence sensitivity models out there. This is one that particularly we like because it's been actually applied to health communication and health promotion. And it helps with what we like is that it helps us operationalize what is it exactly within our fotonovela that we can say, okay, this is a cultural adaptation versus versus a language adaptation versus another component. So we can operationalize within our fotonovela the specific elements that we think are good, that we theorize our culture. And so right now you've started using the fotonovela. I believe it's titled Secret Feelings. Yes, what we did, we it, it was a, an excellent project to develop. It took us about a year uh, to produce it, and we currently have a paper in press in health promotion pra- in health promotion practice that describes the whole development process uh, and the theory behind it. We have integrated into it two theories of health behaviors: one, the self-regulatory models of illness cognition, and then the theory of recent action to help us target the specific attitudes and social norms and and perceptions that we want to change. And then we have embedded in there an education entertainment strategy, which is a a communication strategy that's been used for other types of media. And that way, we have sort of the theory plus health communication processes that we're trying to target in order to create attitudinal change as well as behavioral change. So right now, we have tested the fotonovela in a sample in uh, Los Angeles, California, in an adult education school. The audience for this fotonovela was people in the community because we were finding that by the time people get to primary care or specialty mental health care, they have already, their need is very high. They have the, the information, it was not getting to the people out in the community. So we wanted to target something that you can easily distribute in the community, and we have tested, we've done some focus group testing with it. In adult education classes are people who are going, people who are 18 years or older, mostly Latinos uh, with limited English proficiency, who are going to adult education classes to finish their GED, um, to get professional development. So we have tested it uh, within uh, within a group of uh, adult education 
uh, individuals and done focus groups with them. So we presented the photo novella and then had a focus group regarding what they what they like, what they disliked, how they would use it, uh, what they learned, what did the photo, what did the photo novella taught them about depression and help seeking, and that's sort of where we we stand at this point, and we're now working to hopefully evaluating the effectiveness of this particular tool. What was the uh, response from the folks that you did the focus group with? We focused on four particular things. First, we looked at what they liked. So people talked about how, and they loved the issue of the educational value of the photonovela. What we were finding is those people know what depression is. People have identified, they have seen it in their life, they've seen it in other people, in their family and their social networks. But the photonovela gave them very specific information about how to identify, how to name it, what are the signs and the symptoms, what do you do, how do you support someone that's going through depression. So they really, people all talked about, the, uh, we did four focus groups, and everyone said we love the educational value of the photonovela. They also liked the format. It was easy to read, engaging, funny. Uh, they talked about how entertaining the photonovela is, how they didn't even, they sort of read this story and realized, ah, this is depression. And they were engaged with what they were reading because of the language as well as the visuals. They said that the characters that we use, which were actors from the community in Lake, resemble real Latino people, a real Latino family. They were able to identify, in some sense, see themselves in that particular story. So that's what they liked. One of the things, we also explored what they did not like. And we found that people wanted, part of the photonovela is that it, it has the cover page is in color, and then the rest of the photonovela is in black and white. People did not like that. They say, look, the cover page is in color. We would like the entire thing to be using in color, uh, with color pictures. Uh, they wanted more information. Also, one of the interesting things that we, that we like that, even though it's a 30-page photonovela, uh, it's a story that relates someone who's going through a depression, uh, going through depression, seeking help, and then beginning to recover from depression. They wanted more details. They wanted to see how the depression impacted not only that family but everyone else, their cousins, their aunts. They wanted to see more dramatic uh, components of how depression impacted everyone else. The way we have interpreted it is that there's this thirst for more information. Uh, they wanted more, we sort of, you know, in 30 pages we have to cover a lot of material. They wanted more specifics on how the person went from depression to beginning to recover. What, was, what were the struggles that, they, in this case, our main character was a woman, what were the struggles that she went through as she was taking medication, as she began to take therapy. They wanted more, they wanted a discussion of all of those different steps. And then an, an unexpected finding, we have it embedded within it, this, uh, trying to debunk the issue that antidepressants are not addictive. And one of the values of doing qualitative research is that it let us explore uh, particular elements of people, what people like and dislike and learn. And when we ask them about what they learn about the photonovela, everyone told us exactly what we have put in the photonovela, that antidepressants are not addictive that you should talk to your doctor before discontinuing to take them, that if you have side effects, you have to talk to your doctor. But when we began to dig deeper into those beliefs and understanding, most what we were finding is that people were saying, we learned that, but we're not convinced that the antidepressants are not addictive. It might be for her, but for us, that might not happen. We have, And then people began to talk about, 
all the different stigma and misconceptions that are out there in the community about addiction and antidepressant and harmfulness of these medications. So there was a limit on what we were able to do with the fotonovela that it provided information, but it didn't shift those misconceptions that people have. And we have begun to think about, okay, what else do we need to begin to address those misconceptions? What are your next steps in this line of research? Right now, we're trying to see where to place this type of intervention. We consider the fotonovela as a health, so mental health literacy intervention. And we're beginning to explore uh, where will we have the biggest impact and what, uh, how can we use this tool to address some of the stigma, to, address, to increase knowledge, and to hopefully engage people in, uh, and encourage them to do better health-seeking. So one of the things that people were very, that we have found is that it was, this type of tool was very entertaining. People were willing to share with anyone else in their community. One of the things that they told us and we're finding is that because of the of the way that we have packaged the fotonovela, they were willing to share it with their families. They were willing to share it with a friend um, that it wasn't stigmatizing in comparison with other brochures and information that are, that is out there that basically says depression in the in the cover of the particular brochure or pamphlet. This one is uh, has more of a non-threatening, more of a discreet type of tool. So right now we're focusing, we're trying to see whether we include this in an intervention within primary care. That is something that what we're thinking of as an engagement bridge that a nurse practitioner or a primary care physician can, after they screen for depression, they can use the fotonovela to start a dialogue with the particular individual uh, or their families about what depression is and begin that dialogue. Also looking at trying to develop mental health literacy programs focusing on depression, that we can take it to community settings. So we present the photonovela, but then we have a discussion, a more interactive discussion of the, of the messages that were presented in the photonovela, so it becomes more of an interactive, and people and then engage in a conversation and a dialogue about what they learn, what they have doubts, and we can help them practice and reinforce those messages. So we're beginning to think about it more of a, as an educational module that we can present at a health promotion class and an adult education setting, maybe at churches, but in a more interactive format that is not only people reading the fotonovela, but then having a peer health worker discuss and, and have uh, discuss a particular message and reinforce the skills and help people practice those skills with what we are and hopefully evaluate the effectiveness of that. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about the different possibilities of distribute. The idea just popped into my mind of I could see young people taking it and performing it, and then having a discussion in the community around the performance of the fotonovela. There's been some interesting work that's been done in the West Coast by Sergio Aguilar-Gaxiola, where they done community theater with something very similar. And what's interesting is that they not only discuss it, but they engage the audience in the performance, where in, uh, they have different times in the, in the play and the performance where they ask for audience input. What should the character do in particular elements? And people have explored some of those sort of more community theater engagement 
type of approaches for literacy purposes, for mental health literacy, I think will be innovative because we don't do a lot of that in the health field of providing information to underserved population about mental disorders, what to do, and really giving them information so they can make better decisions about where to seek help and how to support someone who has a mental disorder. So what do you see as the social work practice and policy implications of developing culturally appropriate mental health literacy tools in the Latino community? Well, I think they're, they're, they're multifaceted and there's different things that could happen. One, this could be done as a prevention tool that informs the public that might be at, at risk for some of these both mental health, unmet mental health needs and also disparities in care that provides them information, more direct information that's more engaging that's more entertaining about what are the choices. So there's this whole movement of patient-centered care, of patients being more part of the decision-making, and the beginning point of that is to have people with the right information in order to make informed decisions. So that's one step. Another level is more of a community approach where there's sort of a mental health literacy campaign on particular issues within the, the Latino community. One, I know there's some people doing suicide prevention in Latina teens, which are a higher risk of suicide attempts and suicidal ideations that really target and help families understand what are the needs and what are the options that they have available. And also, like any other group, stigma of mental health disorders. I think there's a great number of literature and work being done that how stigma is a pervasive barrier to seeking mental health and that we do need to target groups and provide better approaches that focus on both health behavior theories, health communication theories that could help target those uh, stigma in different communities. It is different by social norms, by attitudes, and also by the type of message that's being provided. So exploring options to do that and then evaluating whether these things are actually working or not, which is the next step on developing sort of an evidence base around these particular tools and programs. I guess the only other question I have for you is that if someone is listening to this podcast and they get inspired to do something similar to sort of think outside of the box and modify their current work with a community, what advice would you give them? In terms of making something more culturally appropriate or thinking about serving, maybe they're working with a Latino community, maybe they're working with an Asian community, maybe they're working with African-American communities. How do they take what you've done and try to apply it in their own context? I see. That's a great question. And I think one that has many different applications in the field and and something that, at least in the mental health field, with social workers and other service providers in this field do struggle with. I think one of the things that we've learned from our work is to really listen to our community and understand what are the needs within that particular community and also understand what are the factors that impact that need. So for us, I've been learning what are the key elements in the Latino community that impact persons' understanding of depression, seeking help for depression, and what prevents someone to do that. And, you know, cultural elements are one element that where that impacts uh, people's stigma, people's perceptions, but not forgetting that there are also socioeconomic elements that impact people's access, their health insurance, the availability of services. Language is a major component. Um, you can develop something very culturally appropriate, but if there's no 
if there are no bilingual providers, you're going to have a problem with language population that have limited English proficiency. So understanding the key elements of the impact the particular need they're trying to serve. The other thing is to look at research that has been conducted in this area. There's been an explosion of research, at least in the mental health fields over the past 10 years, of people thinking about how to develop culturally competent interventions, how to adapt evidence-based practices, uh, and to really look for that information and start a dialogue both with researchers and services providers who are working with this population nationwide. There's some very excellent and creative uh, providers out there that are dealing with this question on a daily basis, and they have become very proficient and very creative on how to deal with it. So opening the dialogue with other providers, other colleagues, as well as researchers and creating better collaborations, I think it helps deal with those particular needs and how to address those needs. That sounds great. Is there anything that you'd like to discuss that I haven't asked you? No, I think, I mean, at this point we are, we've developed this literacy tools. We're not the only ones who've developed this literacy tool. Photonovelas have been used for other health conditions, um, AIDS, tuberculosis, even Alzheimer's disease. One of the things that we're working that I think the field needs is to see whether this is actually working and how does it work. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes these tools? What's the added value of doing this tool versus giving someone a brochure or not adapting something culturally? I think where the field of cultural competence stands, what's the added value of doing something culturally competent? And what are the actual effects and cost effectiveness of this intervention? And it's sort of pushing the envelope forward and the research and the services forward to really get at that. Well, this has been great. I thank you, Dr. Leopoldo Cabasa, for speaking with us today about mental health literacy in the Latino community. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Dr. Leopoldo Cabasa discuss the development of mental health literacy tools for the Latino community on Living Proof. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.